Good morning. So good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it, today? Would you stand with me? We want to pray that God would open up our hearts, our minds, our spirits to receive what he has to speak to us today. This is more than just a gathering of people on a Sunday morning to have a religious ceremony. This is a gathering with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we invite the presence of the living God into this place. And he has a way of speaking directly to our hearts. Can I say this? He knows you by name. He knows your heart. Your greatest aspirations and your darkest secrets. He's the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. And today, he promises that when we gather in his name, he is in the midst of us. And so as we open up our Bibles today and get into the word, I am guaranteed that God will speak. Now, whether you hear or whether you listen, that's up to you and your faith. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have promised to be with us. I thank you, Father, for that person today that really needs this word. I thank you, Father, for that person that entered this auditorium depleted spiritually and just needs that touch from on high. I pray for that person that entered confused about life and decisions. I pray for clarity. I pray for that person that entered sick today that needs a healing touch from your hand. I pray that you would release it into their lives. I pray for that person that's seeking for you and doesn't even know it, Father, that you would speak. I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We're in a series entitled The Ten Commandments. Today's commandment is the fourth commandment. A few years ago, I was on my way to church. And I was in a hurry. I had to be here on time. And it was one of those hectic mornings. Anybody have a hectic morning this morning? Come on, we all have them. You're going to church, it's hectic, there's traffic, you can't find your keys, someone's taking too long in the bathroom, there's a little bit of friction in the household, and you're, it doesn't set you up well for worship. Well, I was having one of those mornings. I was running late, and so I was on the expressway, and I was, well, I was gunning it a little bit, and I was in a hurry. I figured I'd get here and repent for breaking the law and speeding. Uh, that's not a good idea. But I was going fast, and I was distracted about what was going on, what, I was, what was happening in the morning, and suddenly... 
I was sort of taken out of my stupor of distraction by some flashing lights behind me. I said, oh no, just what this morning needed. And so I pulled over to the side and I've been through this routine before, so I pulled out my license and the, the officer came to the window and I said, officer, I know I was speeding. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor Mark. <laughs> I said, hey, brother. <laughs> I was on my way to church. He said, yeah, normally I'm there, but today I'm working. I said, well, I don't know what to tell you. And uh, he talked to me for a minute. And then before he let me go without a ticket, just a warning, thank God for it. That's the definition of grace. <laughs> before he left, he said, pastor. He looked at me and he said, pastor, slow down. Some of you need to hear this. You know, how many of you know that God can speak to you through a traffic stop? Some of you need to hear this word, slow down. America now has a, well, they call it an epidemic of fatigue, stress, depletion, lack of energy. It is reaching pandemic proportions, the people that feel absolutely emotionally, physically, mentally drained and depleted. And that's what I want to talk to you about today because the Bible has actually quite a bit to say about this. When we look at the Ten Commandments, some of us have this idea that the commandments are there to restrict our freedom and liberty and they are this huge burden on us to take us away from things that would cause us to have fun and pleasure, but really they're exactly the opposite. The Ten Commandments were a blueprint really for successful living. One of the most controversial, debated, and least understood commandment is the fourth commandment. It says, remember the Sabbath day. And by the way, I told you last time I spoke that the commandments reveal something about the nature and the character of God. A commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. God is God. Commandment number two, you shall not make for yourselves an idol. God is creator. Number three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. God is holy. Number four, remember the Sabbath. God is rest. Number five, honor your father and your mother. God is father. Number six, you shall not murder, God is life. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery, God is faithful. Number eight, you shall not steal, God is a provider. Number nine, you shall not lie, God is truth. And number 10, you shall not covet, why? Because God is sufficient. Commandment number four is sandwiched between our relationship to God, the first three commandments, and then the last commandments are all about our relationship to one another. But right in the middle of those is commandment number four. And let me read it to you. Exodus chapter 20, 
beginning in verse eight, says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Word of the Lord. So I want you to know four things this morning about the Sabbath, because this is not about necessarily a day in particular just. It's also about a rhythm that God expects you to have so that you don't get depleted in life, so that you're not drained and so that you don't reach a breaking point of exhaustion. Several things I want you to know about the Sabbath. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, the Sabbath is the work rest rhythm established by God at creation. Notice what he says. He says, for in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Wow, that's a pretty intense six days. I mean, that's power working. In six days, if you go back to the book of Genesis, you'll discover that God created the heaven and the earth and all that is in them and established creation. And again, uh, we come from a, a perspective of a creator designer God, and that's a whole other conversation we can have with you. Some of you have been raised and educated on the concept and theory that there was some big bang at one time and that life sort of evolved naturally out of that over millions and millions of years. I believe in a creator designer that in the beginning engineered, that in the beginning was involved in developing creation and putting everything together. And if we look at the beginning of the Bible called Genesis, it tells us that God made the heavens and the earth in six days. And then, listen, and on the seventh day, he rested. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, the word Sabbath, the meaning is to rest from labor, is to cease or stop. That's what Sabbath means. When someone says Sabbath, it means stop. Stop working. Cease. Stop laboring. And the Bible says that in six days, God was using all of his creative energy and power and designing the heavens and the earth and how they should coexist with one another, the ecosystem and all that involves the cellular molecular system that exists within our body that regenerates itself on a regular basis, the intricacies of how vision in the human eyeball is developed. I mean, all these things, God in his intrinsic knowledge and powerful creativity is designing a universe that works together. And on the seventh day, the Bible says that he ceased from his work. Now listen, 
In Genesis chapter 127, it says, so God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Chapter 2, verse 2 and 3 says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he, had, he was doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all his work of creating that which he had done. So here's the question. Why did God rest on the seventh day? Why did he establish the Sabbath? You say, well, pastor, six days of creating the universe was probably exhausting. Wrong answer. You see, you and I expend energy and are depleted. The God of the universe, the creator God, the God that has no beginning and no end, has an infinite supply of energy and creativity. The Bible refers to one of his attributes as omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful, which means that God never gets tired. He doesn't run out of energy. God is not like a human being that expends energy and has to renew himself in energy. God did not stop because he was tired. He's an infinite, powerful being that does not get tired. So why did God pause on the Sabbath day? Well, he rested not out of personal exhaustion. He rested so that he could provide a pattern, a rhythm for his creation, primarily human beings who had, he had created in his image to be able to have a rhythm in life from the beginning that would be sustainable. Six days of work, one day of rest. Now, it tells us in Exodus chapter 20, for in six days he made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that was in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He blessed it and made it holy. Now, we look at the Bible, and for the first 2,500 years after creation from Genesis to Exodus, there is very little mention of the Sabbath. In fact, there's no mention of the Sabbath. Now, we have to understand and believe that Adam and Eve in the first generations were exposed to the day of the Sabbath because God in the beginning established the Sabbath, but we don't hear any mention of the Sabbath for the first 2,500 years until we introduce a man by the name of, of Moses, and in Exodus we have the first mention of the Sabbath going back to creation, and the first mention of the Sabbath is found in Exodus chapter 16, and it says, if you remember the story God had liberated the people of Israel out of 400 years of slavery. Talk about oppression and work and exhaustion. These people were dying, dying, literally dying of exhaustion because they were asked to uh, basically be the labor force for a dictator, all-powerful autocrat called the Pharaoh that ruled in Egypt at that time. And they had to mix hay, build bricks to uh, basically fuel 
the vision of this egomaniac called the Pharaoh that was building his empire on the lives and bones of a slave force. And finally, they're liberated by the hand of God after 400 years. And now as they go out to establish their own culture, they're in the desert, there's no food, God begins to provide what's called manna, bread from heaven, and they would go out and they would collect the manna, and then God establishes a rhythm. He says, I don't want you to collect manna every day. I want you to stop on the seventh day. I'm not going to give you manna because I want you to rest. Notice what he says. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord your God says, tomorrow is the Sabbath rest. First time it's mentioned in the Bible since creation. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to keep it until morning. Verse 26. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. You see, what God is establishing, this new culture that's coming out of being overworked. Listen, this new culture in Deuteronomy, by the way, when he reiterates this commandment, he says, remember the Sabbath because you were slaves in Egypt for years. They worked nonstop. They had no rest. They depleted themselves physically, emotionally. They died doing their work. They were slaves to work. There was a master that dictated what they had to do. They were driven, never stopped always tired, always under-resourced. They lived in this constant depletion of energy because there was a force that was driving them to work. Sounds like I'm describing some Americans today. And then God says to them, you live that way for years, but I want you to have a sustainable pattern, a godly pattern, a pattern that was established at creation, and that pattern includes a day of rest, what we call a Sabbath. The Sabbath was blessed and sanctified at creation and then was reintroduced during the times of Moses. So let me remind you, let me just pause for a second and tell you this is God's rhythm. You were designed to live in this rhythm. When you look at the book of Genesis, you look at the beginning of everything. In Genesis, God establishes pattern. He establishes marriage between a man and a woman. And what God has put together, let no man separate. That's a pattern established in Genesis. He establishes the rhythm of work. Uh, resting one day. He establishes multiple rhythms at creation. And listen, when I get a new appliance, I like to look at the owner's manual because whoever created this appliance understands how it works the best. Some appliances are fairly simple. I was at my mother's house a while back and she has an iron just an iron. And I, I looked at the iron and I was going through some stuff and I saw a manual for the iron and I looked at the manual and she had highlights of the manual. I said, mom, you're highlighting an iron manual. I mean, how, 
She said, well, you never know. You gotta, you gotta follow the instructions. But, but let me say, you follow the manual because whoever designed it or created it knows how it works the best. If you violate the manual, you have a breakdown. If you violate God's manual for how we are to live our lives and the rhythm in which we are to operate in, we end up having breakdowns in our life, our soul, our relationships, our emotions. And many of us, listen, in America, many of us here today are living lives that are not following the pattern of God and we're experiencing the toxic breakdown in so many areas of our life. Marriages falling apart, families disintegrating, um, depletion of our energy, depression, suicidal thoughts, breakdown in our relationship to one another, emptiness of our heart and soul. Why? Because we're living in ways that don't match the manual. How we were designed and created to operate, we're not living according to the manual that was given to us, and so we're breaking down and not understanding why we're breaking down. The Sabbath is one of those areas. Walter Bergman has said it this way, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. Let me tell you, without a break, you will eventually break. The question is not if you'll stop, but the question is if you will stop joyfully or you will stop painfully. Remember the Sabbath. Eventually, the unholy combination of hurry, worry, and busy will destroy your physical health, your mental health, your relationships, and your spiritual well-being as well. Some of you are here today, and you feel broken down. You're wondering, well, what's wrong with me? Some of you, it relates directly to your rhythm of work and rest. You have violated the owner's manual and you are experiencing the breakdown in your life because of that violation. Number two, write this down. Not only is the Sabbath the work-rest rhythm established by God at creation, Number two, secondly, the Sabbath is a day of rest that is consecrated and blessed. So let's get into what the Sabbath actually is. How, how do you embrace a Sabbath? Well, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, I already read that to you. God established that every seven days we should stop and we should rest. But I want you to know, notice what he says also. He says, rest on the seventh day. Therefore, every time you see the word therefore, you know it's building on a previous thought. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, when God created man and woman, the Bible says he blessed them. When God created creation, he blessed creation. What does it mean to bless? Uh, we're used to using that word when someone sneezes. We say, bless you. But we don't always understand really what the word blessing means. 
The word blessing means the favor of God. The word blessing means the unmerited, undeserved goodness and favor being poured upon something. When God blessed man and woman, he blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, my favor is upon you. Now be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It's interesting that God blesses a day. He blesses the Sabbath. That means, listen, when you enter into the Sabbath the way that God wants you, there is a favor that is poured upon your life. There is a rejuvenation that comes from God when you step into the Sabbath. There is a, a pouring out from the heaven that steps into your heart, soul, body, and mind when you step into the rhythm of the Sabbath because he blessed the Sabbath day. And not only did he bless it, he also, listen, so, so God blessed it, so it's a life-giving pattern. It's a life-giving day. It rejuvenates. The favor of God flows. Something from God is poured on upon the Sabbath because he blessed it. And secondly, listen, he sanctified it. He says, therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. Uh, at the beginning of Exodus, it says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. What does it mean to keep the Sabbath holy? And what does it mean that the Sabbath day is holy? Well, the word holy basically means set apart for a purpose. The way the uh, holy means that there is a there is a God-given purpose and something is set aside for a God-given purpose. In the temple, the utensils that were used by the priests, they were considered holy. Why? You weren't allowed to take those utensils and take it to your family picnic. They were set aside to be used only for God. There was a God purpose in it, so they were holy. Holy means set apart for a purpose. Listen, the Bible says that God blessed the Sabbath, and God said, I'm setting it aside for a divine purpose. I have a God-given purpose in the Sabbath. I don't want you to mix it up with all the rest of the days of the week. It's not the same as all the rest of the days of the week. It should be different. It should be special. It should be consecrated. It should be set apart from the other days of the week. Are you tracking with me? This is important for you to grasp. So it's blessed and it's holy. Now, follow with me because this is important. So the Sabbath is defined by God as a blessed and holy day. Now, what's the difference between just taking a break and embracing the Sabbath? You say, well, Pastor, I kind of take a break on Saturdays. I, you know, I just chill. And, you know, when I was small, I ate cereal and watched cartoons. And now I, you know, do the lawn a little bit and go shopping and have breakfast. And it's one, one of my days to chill. And I try not to do as much work as I can because, you know, it's, you know, it's just a, a relax, relaxation day for me. And that's good. But that's still not a Sabbath. It's part of a Sabbath because you've ceased from work, but it's not the whole Sabbath. You see, a Sabbath has to do 
Listen, to make it holy and consecrated to God, a Sabbath has to do with the day that not only you stop working, but it's a day that you refresh yourself. It's a day that you look at what God has allowed you to accomplish throughout the week. It's a day that you invite God into as well. It's a day that you say, God, refresh me today. It's a day that you pause to say, look at all the good that you brought to my life, God. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna honor you. I'm gonna thank you. I'm gonna stop working because I know that you are the provider. I'm gonna pause because you've given me a family to invest in. I'm gonna invite you into my Sabbath. I'm gonna acknowledge that you are good. And so it's a day of blessing and a day that's holy unto the Lord as well. Are you tracking with me here? What happens when you don't keep the Sabbath? When someone doesn't keep the Sabbath, it makes us not pause and remember what is important in life, so we start to lose perspective. If you haven't had a Sabbath, you start to lose perspective. We depend on other things to keep us going or escape from tiredness. We deplete our energy and how very little to give to that which really is important, family, God, other things in life besides our work. If you don't have a Sabbath, sometimes your work becomes your idol because you think about it, you plan on it. Your Saturday and Sunday are preparing for Monday when it's about to come. You have, you're distracted all the time. Your children are around you. Listen, fathers, your children are around you, but you are not present. You're physically there, but emotionally absent. Your wife has to say, hey, are you listening to me? Yeah, 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 yeah. What did I just say? Don't raise your hand, wife, use that line. And how many of you know your husbands have gotten pretty good at sort of remembering what you said? You're emotionally distant. You're not present. Constantly checking your emails, constantly looking at the next text, constantly wondering what's happening on Monday, preparing. You're not having a Sabbath. You may not be working, but your mind is still at work. You may not be engaged in physical labor activity, but your mind is still on Tuesday and Wednesday. Your kid comes to you and shows you a drawing and you say, yeah, yeah that's, that's nice. And you give a half-hearted commitment to the people that are around you because you're not engaging in a Sabbath. And so I like what... Uh, author of a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry Up, pastor by the name of John Mark Comer, he says that there's 10 symptoms when we live constantly in a hurry and we're not taking the Sabbath, and these are some of the symptoms that you may experience. Irritability, hypersensitivity, been out of shape over small things. Well, why did you leave that? I kind of... Whoa, slow down. Live on the edge of an explosion. Restlessness. Workaholism, I can't disengage. Emotional numbness. I'm so tired, I, can't, I can barely feel things. I can barely laugh. I can't enjoy life, really. 
out-of-order priorities. That which is really important, I don't give it the weight that it deserves and the energy that it deserves because I'm consumed by other things. Lack of care for your body. You're stressed out, so you eat food that gives you just that quick energy. You live over-caffeinated, under under exposed in nutrition, not eating right, not exercising, not sleeping enough, your blood pressure's going up, your mental attentiveness is going down, your aches and pains are all over because you're not taking care of yourself. Out of the 160 million people in the workforce, about 107 million people say they're fatigued and overtired and don't get enough sleep. We give in to escapist behaviors. You're just binge watching series over and over because you're just escaping or mindlessly scrolling through social media videos because you just are getting away from something, just escaping all the pressure, daydreaming while you're alive because you're under so much pressure, you're just escaping the pressure, slippage of spiritual disciplines, it's hard for you to focus, it's hard for you to read your Bible, it's hard for you to concentrate in prayer, it's hard for you to worship, you come to church, but you say, you know, yeah, I, got, I guess I got to go to church today. I mean, it's a good thing. I should do it. But really, your mind is like, I, I got so many other things I should be doing. And isolation. You don't have time and energy for relationships. When you live a hurried, over-busy, stressful life without engaging in the Sabbath, you will find yourself depleted and showing signs of these 10 areas in your life. So the Sabbath is a work rest rhythm of God. Secondly, the Sabbath is a day that is consecrated and blessed. Number three, the Sabbath and everything else was altered by a day that we call the resurrection. So I know some of you have been thinking, Pastor, what day is the Sabbath? Is it a Saturday? Is it a Sunday? This fourth commandment has been more debated probably than other commandments because there are certain people that really believe that Sabbath, I was in Israel, for example, and uh, we were doing a tour of Israel. I was with a group of people there. We stayed at a hotel, and it was a kosher hotel. And it happened to be Saturday. It happened to be the Sabbat, is what they call it in Israel. And there are certain uh, sections of Orthodox Judaism that really practice the Old Testament laws around the Sabbath. And so I went to get in an elevator at this hotel, and they it was the Sabbath, and I got into the hotel, I wanted to press the button, and it, the elevator wasn't responding. It, it was automatically set to stop at every floor and go up on every floor. And I said, hey, what's, is something wrong with the elevator? And the guy at the hotel said, no, it's the Sabbat. And I said, okay, what does the Sabbat have to do with the elevator? 
He says, well, you can't work on Saturday. I said, okay, I'm still not getting that connection. He said, so when you press a button, that's technically work. And there's a little spark on the other side, electronic spark. So if you press a button, it's work. So Saturdays we don't work. So you get in an elevator and you can't press a button so that it stops at every floor. Wow, that's pretty extreme. So that's on one end, that Saturday, Saturday. And then on the other end is people that feel like, oh, no day, every day's the same. It doesn't really matter. There is no Sabbath. And so what does the Bible really teach about this? So let me try to help you understand as we, as we look at this, because does it matter? Is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? Does it matter when we engage in this? Well, the Bible emphasis on the Sabbath raises all kinds of questions for Christians. And there are certain denominations and groups of people that call themselves the Seventh-day Adventists because their primary emphasis is on worship on the Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath. And so what does the Bible really have to say in light of the New Testament? And why do we happen to worship on Sunday instead of on Saturday? Well, that'll take a little bit of a looking at the history a little bit, but let me try to summarize this quickly for you. So, up until the early church, the Jewish people guarded the Sabbath. They guarded it ferociously. In fact, if you worked on the Sabbath, you could be put to death. People would cook all their meals on Friday so that they wouldn't have to cook on, sat on, on Saturday. You couldn't carry wood. You couldn't walk so far. You weren't even allowed to spit on the Sabbath because you could spit and spit could create mud and mud technically is what was used for bricks and so it could be considered work. Another law said that you couldn't look in the mirror on the Sabbath. Why? Because they said women would be tempted to see a gray hair and tempted to pluck that gray hair and then they would be violating the Sabbath because they would be working. So, up until Jesus, there was a very, very, very strong legalistic emphasis on the Sabbath. Now, when Jesus came, Jesus, well, he offended a lot of people because he wasn't as strict on the Sabbath. His disciples would pull grain. He healed people on the Sabbath. He taught on the Sabbath. He reached out to people on the Sabbath. He did what other people considered work on the Sabbath. And so he was, oftentimes, if you read the New Testament, he healed on the Sabbath. And a lot of the Pharisees, some of you maybe uh, now it's making sense to you, but they said they wanted to stone him because they felt like he violated the Sabbath. And Jesus would confront the Pharisees and say, in one occasion, he said, the Sabbath was not made for men, but men for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was made to serve us, not us serve the Sabbath. In another occasion, Jesus is called the Lord of the Sabbath. If, if, you, if you recall that, and, and I want you to understand this because this is important. When Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, Something changed. Come on, how many of you know a lot changed when Jesus rose on the third day? We call it the resurrection of Jesus. 
It's the pinnacle of Christianity. If you can't get your arms around the resurrection, then you don't understand Christianity because at the heart of Christianity is that Jesus was all God and became all man and that he was sinless. And it was because of his sinless nature that he had the ability to overcome the power of sin and death. And on the third day, the Bible tells us that Jesus rose from the grave. It was a momentous occasion in the story of Christianity. It stopped heaven and earth. It altered the course of the trajectory of humankind. It celebrated for the last 2,000 years. We call it Easter, Resurrection Sunday. But when Jesus rose from the dead, suddenly his followers started up until that time, they had worshiped on Saturday, was their primary day of worship. But after Jesus rose from the dead, because it was so compelling, so powerful, so life transformative, a before and after, the disciples, the followers of Jesus started to actually worship and pause on Sunday. It tells us in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and they gathered together on Sunday. And in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul is talking to the believers, and he says, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what the Galatian churches do on the first day of the week, because that's when they were gathering. In Revelation, it calls Sunday the Lord's Day. Why? Because the resurrection of Jesus shifted when believers started to worship and come together from the Sabbath day to Sunday. In fact, if you read all the church, early church fathers, you will realize that they emphasize Sunday, Sunday, all of them, all the way back to Jesus. They talked about a shift that had happened. Believers gather on a Sunday and they made Sunday their day of worship. Now, follow me in this because this is important. When Emperor Constantine, in about 321 AD, up until that time, Christianity had been persecuted. If you were a believer or a Christian, you were persecuted. They were thrown to the lions. They were burned on stakes. It was considered a religion that was to be oppressed, uh, stomped out. But an emperor by the name of Constantine, who supposedly his mother was a believer, said that he overcame his enemies when he saw a vision of a cross, and he made the state religion Christianity. It was in 321 AD that Emperor Constantine instituted Sunday as the official day of rest. So before that time, everybody else would, uh, would, be, would, the Jewish people would be resting on a Saturday, but the believers would be worshiping on a Sunday. And it was on um, 321 AD that Constantine made it official that people would rest on Sunday. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because I want to make sure that as you dialogue with other people from different religious backgrounds, you don't get confused about the Sabbath and why we worship on a Sunday and why we celebrate like the church has for 2,000 years. And here is my challenge to you. Jesus, he made it clear to his disciples that the Sabbath is not to be this legalistic binding, oppressive day, like many people made it. 
It's called to be a refreshing, rejuvenating day for believers. Hear me, look at me. The rhythm of rest that we have now as believers in Jesus Christ is that on the first day of the week, called Sunday, we gather together with the people of God like we're doing right now here. We consecrate that day by opening up the word, by worshiping, by coming together, by acknowledging the greatness and the goodness of God. We take time out of our schedules to consecrate our Sunday and make it a day of holy rest. What does that look like? It looks like we come together, we worship, we carve out time, we don't embrace a legalistic day that you can't have a barbecue, but it's a day of rest, of relaxation, of worship, of prayer, of celebration, a day when you spend time with a family, a day that you turn your cell phones off, a day that you do no work, a day that you pause with your family to celebrate how good God is. It's a day that you think about what God has done in your life. It's a day that you make it holy unto the Lord and say, because you are God, I spend time and worship you on this day because you are God. I don't work um, seven days a week because I know that you're the provider. Because you are God, I take time to think about the goodness of God, to prioritize my relationships, to celebrate your goodness. I rest, I worship, I have fun, I read, I take walks, I play, I spend time with my family, I carve out my work, I rejuvenate myself, I read a book, I have a cup of coffee, I do what I need to do, but I do it in a rejuvenating spiritual setting in which I acknowledge the goodness of God on that day. You know, there are some people that have really made this a priority, even, even some examples that we have around our country today. By the way, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 17, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regards to religious festivals, new moons, celebrations, or the Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that are to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. We do our food pantry on the Sabbath. The religious Orthodox Jews would have an issue with that because we're carrying boxes. Doing a lot of work unloading. Jesus would be joining us at the food pantry. He healed on the Sabbath. He helped on the Sabbath. He touched people on the Sabbath. It's not a legalistic religious day. It's a day of refreshing, of joy, of adventure, of activity, of fun, but an acknowledgement that God is in the midst of it. You know, there are people that have um, taken people of faith that have actually taken some steps that would contradict some of the uh, commercial economy of our day, and some people would say that's a foolish step that you're taking. For example, I recently met the owners of Hobby Lobby who close on Sunday because they want to give a break to their workers and acknowledge the Lord's Day. Now, I'm sure there's millions of dollars that, are, that, that they forfeit for their convictions, 
Chick-fil-A is another uh, commercial place that closes on Sunday out of giving their, their people a break so that they can refresh and have a day to go to uh, church so that they can have a Sabbath. I believe that it's up to you and I to establish our own Sabbath. You say, well, pastor, you don't know my boss. I don't know your boss. But I want to tell you, there's no boss that has the right to demand your work seven days a week. There's something called boundaries in which you have to establish boundaries in your life for sustainability in your life and walk with God in your family, in your marriage. It's called boundaries where you have to determine I am trusting God. God is the God of my life, not my boss. And I have to have a sustainable rhythm where I can invest in what's really important in life. And let me close with this final point. Number four, the Sabbath points to a much deeper spiritual resting for our souls. Hebrews chapter four, verse nine through 11, the writer of the Hebrews talks about this. Listen, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his work, just as God did from his let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Come, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is what Jesus says. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me close with this. Listen, I, I wish I had more time to get into this, but the writer of the Hebrews says this. Jesus is your Sabbath. What do you mean that Jesus is our Sabbath? There's a lot of people that embrace religion and you are working and striving to try to be made right before God. Maybe you're here in church because you feel like it's a duty. I have to check off a checklist and to, to gain the favor of God. I have to do good works. I have to count and say my prayers. I have to uh, pray to at a certain time or in a certain way to try to do all these things so that maybe I can atone for my sins, so that maybe I can be right before God. And your religious experience is one of striving, of one of working, one of always falling short. Listen, the Bible says that that's religion. Jesus has come to do the work that you and I could not do. And that's why he has become our rest. If you are striving right now and working and depleted and always feeling broken and overwhelmed in your walk with God, then you are not walking in the rest that God has called you to. You are walking in the works of religion and not in the rest of God. Christianity is not about obeying a list of rules. Christianity is about surrendering your life to the Lordship of Jesus and allowing him to change you from the inside out, allowing him to wash you, transform you and make you new. So there's a rest that's there. Jesus says, come to me if you're burdened and heavy laden, come to me if you're worn out because I will give you rest. 
Some of you have come to religion and you're worn out trying to measure up. That is not Christianity, that's religion. Jesus, you come and you surrender. And he takes that which you could never pay for. He takes the guilt of your sin. He takes your life that you cannot change and begins to change you from the inside out. That's Christianity. So I'm going to ask that you stand with me. As we close our time together, I want to ask you this question. Do you have a physical Sabbath? If I were to speak to your wife, would she tell me that you're absent, distracted, irritable, overwhelmed? Seriously. Is God convicting you about a Sabbath today? That ultimately your your confidence, your work, your future is in God's hands, not in your boss's hands, not in your job's hand. Do you have a Sabbath that you can engage in and without guilt enjoy are you investing in people that are important around you are you stopping to celebrate how good God has been are you acknowledging the goodness of God or are you violating the pattern that God has established for you and you're reaping the consequences of violating, violating that pattern with brokenness in your life, stress in your marriage, your, your relationships, depletion in your body, emotional exhaustion? Some of you need to say, God, forgive me because I have not, I have not remembered the Sabbath. By your grace, God, today, I am choosing to embrace a Sabbath in my life, a healthy rhythm. It's the fourth command. In just a moment, if you're making that decision today, and maybe there's some couples that need to come forward together and get on your knees and say, Lord, we will establish a Sabbath in our household. Let me ask you this. Is Jesus your rest? Has he become your Sabbath? So instead of the weight of the world and cares and burdens and concerns and even about your own life, have you come to him and say, Jesus, I come to you with all my cares, my burdens, everything I have. I just lay them before you. You become my rest. I can't do it without you. I can't save myself. That only comes from you. I can't heal myself. That only comes from you. I can't live my life without you. You are my rest. It is all and all in you. So today, if God is, if God is calling you to a Sabbath day or calling you to release that stuff that you've carried that belongs to Jesus, that he needs to become your rest, 
If God has spoken to you about that, then I'm going to open up this altar so that you can just get on your knees before God today and say, God, I, I establish once again, I determine once again to establish a Sabbath in my life. I will not go the next five years depleted, overwhelmed, without rest, not engaging in the pattern that you have. Forgive me, God, for taking on things that I shouldn't have taken on. Forgive me, God, for trying to do more than what you called me to do, God. Today I embrace a Sabbath. In Jesus' name. This altar's open. If you need to come and just get on your knees and say, Today, Lord, I'm embracing a Sabbath. This altar's open for anyone that needs to come forward. Go ahead. We're going to sing right now.